0: Hello and welcome to the second tier podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the sheep to my goat. It's just impeach. Good, good day to you. Good day to you, Ryan. Sorry, what? <laughs> goat, greatest of all time. Come on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but it. why? Okay,
1: yeah, right. Okay, it's in relevance to what we're doing today. That's, exactly. what, that's what passed me by, right? Yes, <laughs> come on. You, you need to be
0: switched on for this kind of thing, Justin. You've got to be sharp and quick. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's our countdown of the top 20 championship players of all time. This is part two. That means we're going through our top 10, Justin. How excited are you? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, yeah, I am pumped internally. It's just expressing that expressing that it just doesn't come across but yeah definitely excited yeah i'm not being sarcastic at all good that makes change <laughs>
0: i feel like uh, there's a lot of pressure on us for this because we are primarily the championship experts aren't we the championship experts if we do say so ourselves <laughs> so our opinion is more important than everyone else's in the world
1: and therefore mm. this is the definitive list as far as i'm concerned yeah no other list will exist outside of this that has any meaning at all as you said we are the championship experts we are the you know if if you were to speak to the championship gods ryan and i will will answer because we sit in that category
0: we we are the people who have the communication to the championship gods we Mm -hmm. every so often will go up there chat to neil warnock on a throne (laughs) um ian holloway and mick mccarthy who are all up there as well the elders and we'll just the elders of the championship and we'll just ask them are we doing a good job boss and they will say yes you are son yes you are (laughs) and we have been here we've been summoned here today to convey our knowledge to you the listener and keen enthusiast of the championship
1: yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing and that's exactly what happens on a day-to-day. It keeps us busy and that's exactly why we, we create this content is because we we weren't, we didn't decide to do this, we were chosen by the elders, <laughs> as we say. <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, let's hurry up because I've got an appointment with Neil in about an hour's time. So welcome to the number one championship podcast. The second tier, thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, as I say, it's part two of our countdown of the top 20 championship players of all time. That means this is our top 10. This is the top 10 championship players of all time. Last week, we revealed our picks from 20 to 11. So make sure you go back to listen to that to figure out who we had there. And then, as I say, we'll be revealing our top 10 very shortly. The big licks, the absolute goats of the championship. So who do we think is the best championship player of all time? You'll find out shortly, ladies and gentlemen. First off, a bit of admin. We've made this list the same way Justin and I make all our lists. He makes his top 20. I make my top 20. And then we merge them together. We're basing our rankings off four things. The quality of the player, their consistency over numerous seasons, achievements in the second tier, and most importantly, their legacy. That's an important one because obviously... It's difficult to compare someone who had one amazing season compared to multiple great seasons. Legacy means those players who weren't in the championship for long have more of a fight in this list and also means we can put players wherever we want because it's completely immeasurable. Also worth mentioning that we're basing it since the championship was rebranded to the championship in 2004. Me and Justin cannot remember anything previous to that. So it's only sensible we do it based on that. right, Justin. Let's get things underway. Who have
1: we got in number ten? We have a little magician, Pablo Hernandez. Now, this this man I, I think goes under the radar in terms of how important he was to how Leeds became a success in the championship. <clears throat> and that success in the championship I think overshadows just how good he was before Leeds got good under Bielsa, before they became before well. While they were a mid-table, obscure side, not really going anywhere. And he was just sensational. Mainly de- deployed as a wide playmaker, he redefined what a wide player can do tactically in the championship. He was a creative machine for Leeds. And as I say, a wide player, you expect him to be pacey, you expect him to be um, be able to take the player on. Pablo Hernandez, well, I'm sure he had it in his locker, but it wasn't his primary attribute, it wasn't what he was good at his ability to find space, find key passes, find his his teammates with, with, with incisive passes um, was was what he did and he was a creative machine for Leeds and even when they were just an average team under Gary Monk, Thomas Christensen, Paul Hackingbottom, he was the mainstay creatively in that team 37 assists in his fourth season in his championship is an absurd record and as I say, the success under Bielsa in the first season, a lot of that going forward was, was down to him did play as many games in the second season, but still really, really important. So yeah, Pablo Hernandez, the little magician. Yeah, he is a little magician. And you can
0: make a fair argument that Pablo Hernandez is the most technically brilliant player ever at championship level. Like, I'd probably argue that he's the best passer ever at championship level because some of his assists... I was uh, going back and watching a compilation the other day. Some of his assists are just... Out of this world, I mean we are talking about a guy who was capped multiple times for Spain after all, when Spain had their golden generation as well, so maybe it 's not that surprise that 's surprising that he 's one of the most technically gifted players, of the championship scene, but also one of the best passers. He was the stand up player in one of the greatest championship sides ever wasn't he? his arrival at Leeds kind of sparked the revival of them as a football club because they were previously previously just a mid-table championship side, not going anywhere anytime soon. They had one season in 10 where they managed to finish higher than 13th in the championship prior to him coming in. And then he came in and they had someone to build the team around. And he was the perfect number 10, really, at championship level 1 t Goals, assists, dribbling, passing and being a part of that Bielsa system as well, working tirelessly. He had it all, and Leeds fans may ask why he isn't higher in this list. It's just hard to justify him being much higher when he's only got the one promotion under his belt. That's the only thing holding back, really. But a phenomenal player, and can definitely be regarded as one of the best ever to play at this level, without a doubt. Let's go to number nine, Justin, where we have Timu Puki. Now we actually had a Norwich fan message us on Twitter saying, I assume you have of Pukki in your top 10, but Wes Houlihan should be ahead of him because he was a better player. And it's a completely fair comment to make and Houlihan probably is a better player. But if you're looking at this through the lens of championship achievements, Pukki has to be ahead, doesn't he? I mean, three championship seasons and he's managed to hit 25 plus goals in two of them and spearhead two title winning teams you could not ask for much more from him without getting getting into Alexander Mitrovic brackets of goal tallies, could you? The strange thing about him is, I think he is a bit of a one dimensional striker. I was watching a video of all his goals in an Norwich shirt, and keep in mind he's got sixty five goals at Championship level. I counted well, three. I counted five. Sorry, where he took more than three touches. All of the goals were essentially one of two things. Being on the end of a tap-in after being in the right place at the right time. Or peeling off a defender and finding himself in space. Of the 65 goals he scored, only three were with his head. One was outside the box. I mean, not necessarily (laughs) a bad thing. I mean, Ian Robin is one of the best players of this century and did pretty much the same thing over and over again. Timmy Pukki did the same thing over and over again and was bloody good at it. Defenders just did
1: not know how to cope with him and his figures... His achievements at this level just speak for themselves. I think when you have a good goal scorer like timmy Pukki, like Jordan Roach like Charlie Austin, you've got to have good teammates around you because all of those players, as you say, not a one trick pony, but they 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 have a similar skill set in a locker. But they do it really well. Timmy Pukki is one of those, and we we've long said that the absence of Emi Buendia has been the downfall of Norwich City, and the reason why it's been the downfall of Norwich City is because they've just not been creating as many chances as as they have been without him in that in that team as as opposed to when they were. Main reason why Tim Oprika was able to score as many goals as he did was because of the players around him and the relationships he had with those players around him. If you look at his goals closely and the reason why Daniel Farker brought him in is because his dynamic the way he made dynamic runs going forwards in between centre halves and fullbacks created space for for him and he was just he was just found with passes and his finishing ability was second to none. He did it over and over again, as you as you've pointed out, and to be able to do that over and over again and not, well, I imagine d- defenders will try and stop it, but with like with like with a lot of things with that Norwich team and team of it was an inevit- ine- inevitability that he was going to he was going to find the net. He was an incredible goal scorer. Not only that, but he did link up with his teammates. He, that season, he scored twenty nine in his first season. He got seven. Uh, sorry, he got nine assists. Um, and he got seven assists last season for Norwich, despite scoring just ten goals. So he he does thrive on relationships with his teammates. And whilst strikers are incredibly selfish human beings, I don't think Timo Pukki falls in that bracket. He relies a lot on on, uh, on 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 good supply, but as well as that, he can do it himself uh, as well. So yeah, a remarkable goal scorer, and it's quite apt that he's, he's now left um, this summer. Um, and it's, it's it's he'd be one of those players who. I think will be considered a modern-day legend at uh, at Norwich City.
0: He definitely will be considered a legend, that's without a doubt. Just going on the one thing that I disagree with you on there, Justin, I don't think he is finishing one second or not, really. I was looking at him from a stats perspective, and in his first season, I think he averaged 20% of his um, shots resulting in a goal, which is very good, in fairness. Season afterwards, I think it was 16%, which is pretty average, really. I'm not sure he was just a a good finisher. I think he just created so many chances for himself with being in the right place at the right time. And I think, without a doubt for me, if you're looking at a striker who's positioning and, you know, being in the right place at the right time, as far as that goes, Timo Puke probably is the best because he just managed to do it so often and create himself, uh, create a tap-in for himself. Um, So that's the only thing I disagree with you on, but yeah. Striker-wise, I mean, his goal tally is just ridiculous, isn't it? Hmm.
1: Let's go to number eight. Who have we got, Justin? We've got a great Dane, Kashmir Michael. Now, when we consider goalkeepers, it's, it's really hard to shoo them in into a, an all-time top 20 list, mainly because they don't score goals. We're all incredibly fickle. But my God, Kashmir Michael, championship level, I don't think there have been many better keepers in terms of just overall ability. And you can consider according to our list, Justin.
0: We don't think there's any.
1: Well, exactly, exactly. And it'll be hard to disagree or bring any other keeper up because they're just not Kashpers Michael. I think he's the Kashpers Michael is the measurable variable you have when you're talking about the best goalkeepers in the championship, and no one really compares to him. But for me, again, a big reason as to why Leicester's downfall in in the last sort of two years, or, or especially this season, I should say, is is the absence of leaders like Kasper michael in, in in the team, um, but going to his championship record, clean sheets, ridiculously ridiculously impossible looking saves, he had it. He had everything. His kicking, his distributions, just ridiculous. His throw is insane. Is he's, he's, um, how accurate he is with his kicking because he does that side kick, doesn't he? Where he. Mm-hmm. Where he's almost side onto it, and it and he finds his teammates, and it worked incredibly well during their promotion season. Because if you think you've got Jamie Vardy peeling into a into a bit of space in that final third, Jamie Kasper uh, Michael's going to find you. He's going to find him. But yeah, eighty three clean sheets in two hundred and twenty Championship games is incredible. Ranked as the best keeper in the in the twenty thirteen fourteen season. Again, one of the best teams we've seen in the Championship. Um, and that's according to to FP refs. That's statistical backing there um, as, as to him being the best best keeper. But yeah, and again, going to the all-round package, I don't think there's been a better keeper. Mainly, pro- well, I wouldn't say the top five leagues, but during his period, there, there weren't many better than him, I think, as the all-round package, being able to distribute, command, lead, make saves, just had everything and he's had an outstanding career outside of the top 5 or 6 which is incredibly rare uh, in, in modern day football so yeah Cashvis Michael incredible footballer could have been higher maybe could have been higher in this list but as a goalkeeper the best
0: yeah you're such a big fan that you name is your dog after him
1: that that is true yeah Kasper Kasper Kasper,
0: Kasper Peach <laughs> Is he actually named after Casper Schmeichel? No, no, no. no,
1: no, no, I was just making a joke
0: and then you went along with it and I was like, is he actually? Got a bit confused. Um, Yeah, I've always been a big Casper Schmeichel fan, even as far back as when he went to Notts County for some reason. I've just always watched him and thought, this guy is a top goalkeeper. So it's no surprise for me that he went on to become a Premier League goalkeeper. I'm not sure anyone would have expected him to go on to accomplish what he went on to do though it's quite a remarkable journey for him actually when he went from playing for Darlington in League 2 to Premier League winner and legitimately one of the best goalkeepers in the world at one point he's done the hard yards and that's part of his legacy of course won the championship of Leicester he was a key part of the side who won the joint second most points in the championship season as you say in his distribution was just phenomenal, wanted him, it? It was such a key part to how Nigel Pearson wanted to play. And you look at his clean sheets in three years at Leicester, he averages a clean sheet every three games, which is some record. Now, someone like Paddy Kenny might be able to top him in terms of promotions from the championship and clean sheets, but in terms of quality. Sorry, Paddy. It's a no contest. Kasper Schmeichel is simply the best goalkeeper the championship has ever seen. And what he's accomplished in the game just is a good summary of that. In number seven, we have Wes Morgan. Now, I've got no doubt in my mind that Wes Morgan is the best defender in championship history. You look at the four boxes we want ticking in this list. Quality, consistency, achievements in the second tier and legacy. He's got it all three times in four years he was named in the PFA Championship Team of the Year. More than 300 games at second tier level. In seven championship seasons, the lowest number of league games he played in a season was 39. He was just ever present for every season that he played at championship level. And he was arguably Leicester's player of the season when they won the league with the joint second biggest points tally in championship history. And one of the key things about him is that it says a lot about how excellent a player he was, that he's so highly regarded by Leicester fans and Forest fans, despite leaving them (laughs) to go to another East Midlands side. And then, of course, there's what he did with Leicester after winning promotion from the Championship. As far as I'm aware, he's the only captain to lift the Championship and Premier League trophy. Can't think of anyone else who comes to mind. Just a remarkable defender and a top pro.
1: Without a doubt, the best defender in championship history, as far as I'm concerned. It's it's he's a player that I champion all the time. And again, like Khashmir Michael, when you're talking about a benchmark uh, player for a position, Wes Morgan's that of a defender. Um, he it felt like when he went to Leicester, he was the final piece of the puzzle for for Nigel Pearson. They they just seemed to go up a gear. Uh, I know they didn't get promoted in the season that they joined um, because of that that Troy Deeney moment, but they they wiped the floor with the league. The season after, um, and again main, mainly down to the being able to solidify that spine he had. Nigel Pearson had of Cash Miss Michael Wes Morgan, um, Danny Drinkwater. It was such a solid, solid spine. And again, you know, if we make a ranking of of, of the best spines in the championship, this Leicester team was certainly one of them. And again. When you got two players in that featuring in, in this list, it just speaks volumes. But West Morgan, what a player! So important for Nottingham Forest as well. We're talking heavily about um, about Leicester, but his impact at Nottingham Forest under Billy Davis was was massive. They they were a very successful side, very defensively solid, as you'd expect under Billy Davis. And again, a main reason why they were pushing for the playoffs under under Billy Davis was because of Wes Morgan um, and his and his ability to lead, his ability to 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 be the defender. Billy Davis needed, and he had a he had an absolute thunder bastard in him as well at times, which, considering his stocky size, you just didn't expect it from him. Um, and he and he scored some absolute absolute worldies um, on occasion for for Forest, uh, that is. So, yeah, Wes Morgan again a benchmark player, made the Football League team of the decade, which which once pointing out, as you mentioned, the PFA team of the years, just widely regarded as the best ever in the Championship in terms of defenders. Incredible player.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Justin, let's go on to number six. Who have we got?
1: We've got Billy Sharp. Now, the interesting thing with Billy Sharp is that I think there are two sides of the fence you sit on with Billy Sharp, which I accept. There are those who say he isn't one of the best strikers in the division, and there, is a, there are those that say he is the best. I like to think I'm somewhere in between. I recognise that his longevity has allowed him to score as many goals as he had in the division, but with that longevity... He's been consistently good into his mid-30s, which is a very difficult thing to do. We've lauded Kevin Phillips for it and others. But Billy Sharp, in terms of just being a consistent goal scorer, being a reliable goal scorer at championship level, he's done it. Now, if we go back to some of his other successful spells, scored 40 goals in 82 games for Doncaster. I think Doncaster may have been a mid-table team at one point but they weren't a team pushing they weren't a team with a big budget they were a team who simply you know <laughs> floating around in the championship they weren't doing anything special so to score 40 goals in 82 games for 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 them was incredible in the championship then he went to Southampton got them promoted 9 in 15 for them remarkable and then there's the years he had at Sheffield United um, which just propelled him into new levels of of goatness i i would say so yeah just the amount of goals he's scored at championship level you deserve a place in this in this um in this top 20 you don't do it without being a very very good player at this level so yeah billy sharp number 6 got to respect him
0: well the thing that puts billy sharp so high in this list is his longevity isn't it the top goal scorer in the history of the championship he scored double figures in 7 out of the 12 seasons he's played at this level there isn't a striker who has played so long as he has been able to play um, at such high levels like he has just maintaining that standard. The season before last, he scored 14 goals despite being 36. He's just been astonishingly consistent for so many years now. And look, his career's had loads of ups and downs along the way, some of them tragic, of course. But my favourite thing about him is he just comes across as a normal bloke. He's got no filter when it comes to interviews. He's (laughs) a passion merchant and I'm talking P-A-S-H-U-N passion. Um, He loves winding up opposition supporters and his Twitter bio is, I'm just that fat lad from Sheffield for crying out loud. So, He's the kind of player you hate as an opposition fan but love when he's on your team because he's been a leader at pretty much every club he's been at but has scored some crucial goals along the way. But you can't knock how long he's been doing it for and how long he's been able to score goals for because there isn't anyone else like him in that respect. So Mm -hmm. fully-fledged Championship legend. Could make an argument that he is Mr. Championship and yeah. Top 10, at least, really, isn't he? Without a doubt, yeah. let's go to number five, Justin got?
1: Cool player, in my opinion, it's Ross McCormack. Uh, yeah, I mean, what can we say about Ross McCormack in in the fact that he's the, the, the Aston Villa years, it probably over, overshadows a lot of the success he had. Um, but he was an unbelievable player, and again, he didn't look like a, a, an athletic, quick, pacey footballer with a lot of technical ability which I think I think that maybe puts him down a little bit. But my goodness, the, 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 his goal-scoring record is, is incredible. He's not too far off Billy Sharp in terms of the, the goal-scoring charts either. But he achieved something at each club he was at, bar bar Villa, although you could argue was part of that promotion team, that won promotion in 2018-2019, albeit part of the squad, uh, or, or at least uh, listed on the squad. Um, but going back to his, his time at Cardiff, he had a remarkable debut season. He scored 21 in 38. Um, I know he didn't have as much success in the following season then he went to Leeds but he was still part of that team that um, that got to the FA Cup final for example an incredible player and again going to that Leeds spell just a scorer of ridiculously acute, beautiful goals um, there's that chip against Watford that comes to my mind there's an absolute screamer he scored against Derby as well he could do everything he could... He could um, he could stroke it into the into the corner of the uh, of the goal. He could absolutely hammer it into the top corner, or he could do a delicate chip. He had everything in that locker. And then there's the, his time at Fulham. And again, I think at each of his teams, he he was at Bar Cardiff. He didn't really have uh, a team pushing for anything. He was he was the he was the talisman in in each team. And I think that is maybe why he didn't have more success in terms of being promoted, um, because that Fulham team he was at wasn't particularly great. But again, he was fantastic, and the amount of goals he scored in that in those teams was was ridiculous. So Ross McCormack, take you off, son. You were an incredible footballer, and I think if you didn't have that move to Aston Villa, you would be miles ahead in the in the top goal scorer charts for the championship.
0: Yeah, completely unfairly it's quite common now for people to most associate Ross McCormack with a broken electric gate and his failed move to Villa because it's completely unfair for people to think of him as that over numerous seasons. He was just an absolute baller. He's the only player in championship history to score 20 plus goals in a season for three separate clubs. Every season that he played 38 games or more, he scored at least 18 goals and did that in five different seasons. Only three players in championship history have scored more than him, and they've each played a lot more games than him. So an incredible goal scorer, but he's quite a unique striker, really. He wasn't blessed with an obvious amount of pace. He was also five foot nine, so not going to be a force in the air he was just incredibly, incredibly technically gifted, wasn't he? A liquid first touch, incredible dribbling ability, could score goals on the volley, from distance, from dead balls. And he was great at creating chances as well, so much so that he was one assist away from having double figures for goals and assists in three consecutive seasons at one point, which would have been some achievement, (laughs) wouldn't it? Either way, his figures speak for themselves. And, I don't think there's another striker really you can compare him to in terms of how he played. If you ask someone what was Ross McCormack like as a player, I, I don't know who you compare him to because his technical ability was simply unbelievable, his physical ability, not so much. He was just a brilliant player, wanty, yeah. and unbelievably brilliant gifted he was a bit of a maverick but without a doubt one of the most talented players the championship has ever seen and it's a crime that he's never played a premier league game can you believe that justin he's the only player on this <laughs> list never, never to have played in the top flight that's incredible
1: yeah i think that's the great shame of it and what i was talking about in terms of teams leeds were in transition um fulham were, were in transition you know, Villa were in transition when he joined before going, before being promoted when they when they were. Cardiff were the closest team, I think, to being a, a promotion contender, but it just didn't quite happen for him at Cardiff. And he went to Leeds and he found success. But going back to that positional aspect of him, I couldn't tell you whether Ross McCormack was a striker, a winger, a a second striker, a number 10. It was just a case of just get him in the final third and he will produce moments of magic. And he did. Um, and, and again, when we're talking about sort of cool players, he had the squad number 44 throughout his career which is incredible I don't think you get too many who just have a a bit of an obscure number which, which I'm a big fan of Absolutely Justin let's take a quick break after that we'll get on to our
0: top four championship players of all time Welcome back to the second tier podcast. This is our countdown of the top 20 championship players of all time. And we've finally arrived at our top four. So without
1: further ado, Justin Peach, can you reveal for me who is number four? I certainly can. It's Ollie Newerwood, Mr. Promotion, Mr. Championship Promotion. Statistically, the, the benchmark I use that word quite a lot, but these players typically are the benchmark for a lot of positions. But as I say, statistically, the benchmark for defensive-minded midfielders, again, with Ollie Newerwood, I think a lot of people will talk about his passing range, but it's actually his ability to shadow uh, a defence and reduce opposition breaking through is actually remarkably remarkably, uh, really efficient and incredible. Um, his ability to... to, to Pass into dangerous areas. I think last season, actually, statistically, we saw a different side of, of Ollie Neward where he took sort of the less of the less of a, you know, a main stand in, in in that midfield in terms of, sort of trying to make line breaking passes. But his ability to find, like Savilleman and Dai, the wing back, Jaden Bogle, anyone who's playing wing back, Sheffield United, ability to find them into in, in dangerous areas in the final third got Sheffield United into dangerous areas in the final third and allowed those players to, to create opportunities. Ollie Newwood for me is I mean, it's it's difficult not to put him into a top three. You know, it's got to be a very good top three not to have Ollie Newwood in there because in terms of having success at championship level, there aren't too many better than him. Women promotion with Brighton, Fulham and Sheffield United twice. I just can't I can't emphasise enough how much of a, an incredible talent Oli Niewert is at this level and again really underrated by teams he played for the fact that Fulham allowed him to leave the fact that Brighton allowed him to leave despite being a regular in their teams when they won promotion each time is incredible Sheffield United's the only team where he's really been able to to, to stay call it at home and, and, and be appreciated by the supporters in the top flight and in the championship so Oli Niewert I can't emphasise enough how good he he is at Championship level. I hope, selfishly, I see him again at this level. That means Sheffield and I get relegated, sadly. But, I, yeah, just a wonderful, wonderful player to watch because he's one of those you've got to keep a close eye on and he produces magic about producing magic, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, has there been ever a player who's more under, underappreciated than Ollie Norwood at Championship level? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. You may argue Tom Inch, Justin, but we'll leave that there. Um, (laughs) I said in our last episode that I think Kevin Phillips has the most promotions ever. I forgot about Ollie Norwood. Him and Super Kev both have four each after Sheffield United's promotion this season. The one advantage Norwood has over Super Kev is he was important to each promotion. Kevin Phillips had that one season at Leicester where he didn't really play too much, but still cancels a promotion. Norwood, on the other hand, played... More than 32 games in each one with Brighton, Fulham and twice with Sheffield United. Yes, with Brighton and Fulham, his influence faded a bit towards the end of those promotions, but he's shown what a player he is in the two seasons at Sheffield United. He is a football data enthusiast's wet dream because what he did for both promotion winning sides was out of this world. Both Sheffield United sides, that is, just being the linchpin of the midfield where... He'd win the ball back and spray a beautiful diagonal or create a chance from nothing despite playing as a deep-lying playmaker. He was just a remarkable player who's been too good for the championship for a while. In my view, it's quite bad really that he's not played more times at Premier League level because he's a Premier League quality player. At the same time, he's just highly un- un- underrated by so many, including his own supporters at times. We've said it quite a bit. Sheffield United fans have underappreciated him on many of occasions. But just a remarkable, remarkable player. And as I say, has there ever been a player more underappreciated than Ollie Norwood at championship level? Without a doubt, no. Hmm. Justin, let's go on to number three now. Justin, this is one of the most contentious ones of all between you and me. I ended up kind of strong arming you into putting Adele out at third because initially you wanted to put him eighth, which (laughs) is just madness. What are you thinking? What am I thinking?
1: It just comes, for me, it always boils down to just having a single season. Um, I know he had a season prior to that that on loan at QPR and he's had two appearances after. Yeah, but the first the first loan spell wasn't particularly productive as the second one, and then the third one, a permanent move that is was was out of this world. Um I'm just always a bit skeptical of having that singular season of success as a as a you know as, as a platform to to speak upon. But I will admit, as a as a player as an individual, um, I don't think. Well, no, actually, there weren't any better individual seasons than Adal raps. And I think because of Trapp having that season, you forget how wonderful that QPR squad was under Neil Warnock. It was you know had Paddy Kenny in it, for example. There was the likes of Clint Hill, Shaw, uh, Sean Derry, I think, uh, Jamie Mackey. There was some really good players in that team, um, and, and, and rightly so. Adel Trapp takes the plaudits. Now, I might I might have put him eighth. I might value other players higher. I just have a different way of measuring who I think is is the greatest full all time. That being said that's a GOAT season from Adel Tarapt and if that puts him into a top three then I'll accept that an incredible year in that 10-11 season.
0: You're really rowing back here aren't you? cook one, you've got to justify yourself a bit more than that putting him
1: eighth in your list. Fine, fine. I will justify it. Why, why did you have him so low in the first place? I I, I, I just appreciate players over longevity. <clears throat> now Adel Tarapt to, to motivate him for example Neil Warnock had to pull out the stops, he had to be peak Neil Warnock, he had to give him the captaincy, he had to give him free reign um, in the team and he had to have a lot of senior players buy into it if, you know, if if I'm going to be really critical, I wouldn't want to build my team around that aspect I would prefer to have a team aspect I do think QPR still would have gone up without Adel Adelterrapt, but Adel rapt made it better, if that makes I sense I could not disagree more with that well, that's that's absolutely fine, but these these are the points that we make. Um, I'm not saying I'm not diminishing Adel traps season. I do think QPR probably would have recruited other players to come in and, and fill those voids um, left by Trapp. But you can't mistake how good that 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 year was from him. But as I say, I just think you know Neil Warnock having to put out the stops to to keep him on side. You know the stories that we hear. Um, it just Pushes him down a little bit for me to have to buy to have to have a player do that and 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 give him all of this free reign to to be able to let him produce. Maybe I'm harsh, but I just I don't know. It doesn't sit right with me. You know, other players have missed out on this list because of factors like that, like you know, Troy Deeney, for example. So, hmm. <laughs> well, I, I don't think you've really justified that at all, there, Justin. But
0: we'll move on, and I fully appreciated. Adel Tarap's brilliance. You're being plain ignorant if you underestimate how unbelievable Adel Tarap was in the championship. Yes, his spell was brief, having only had two and a half seasons, one and a half, which weren't too eventful. And that's the main reason why I don't think he's the best ever, in my opinion. But that season was ludicrous. 19 goals, 21 assists. Nobody has managed to get that many assists in a single season for a start. He's also one of only three players to get more than 15 goals and 15 assists in championship history. It's not just the numbers though, it's the way he did it. There hasn't been a player before who has treated the championship as if it was a playground like Adele Trapp did. The tricks, the showboating, the pizzazz, he's arguably the best player in championship history, but there's no argument that he's the most entertaining player. My my favorite moment of his isn't a goal or a nutmeg it's actually an assist he did for Wayne Routledge against Coventry. He's out on the wing, nothing seems on, but then he hits this stunning pass with the outside of his boot and basically puts it on a plate for Routledge. That shows that he's not some sort of glorified football freestyler. He could also score the who could also score the odd worldie. It showed that he's actually this really intelligent player with astonishing vision as well. And he also had that amazing goal against Preston as well, didn't he? Where he chested it down on the halfway line, took on three or four players and then curled it into the top corner from 30 yards out, which is still one of the most remarkable goals I think I've ever seen. And he almost single handedly got QPR promoted that season. They won the league fairly comfortably in the end, but I don't think they would have even finished top six without him. There's not been a season like it and that's why Adelt
1: are out. Firmly deserves to be top three at the very least, in my opinion. I, think, I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, maybe the fact that QPR would have wouldn't have finished in the top six—that was a good—that was a good QPR team. Uh, I Just, he did team score
0: fifty-six percent of their goals that season.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I, I do think they would have recruited other players to come in and, and, and fill a void had they not signed. Well, track, score
0: fifty-six percent of their goals.
1: Yes, I, I, I do think that. It's Neil Warnock. It, it's Neil Warnock. And they kept a lot of clean sheets as well. But yeah, mm. I think in terms of just When I say score, I think I meant uh, played a part in 56%. Con- um Carry on. Carry on. Yeah. Um, in terms of... Um, certainly in terms of uh, individuals um, just having pure elegance on, on a football pitch at Championship level, you don't have any better than, than Adol Tarapt. What you could do so nonchalantly... Was was ridiculous, really? I don't think you could like the goal. Uh, who was it against? One where, was it against Swansea, you mentioned, where he's dribbled around and he's just put it into the top corner. Um, but to be able to do but that, just the fact the fact
0: is, he's done so many goals like that yeah. that it's hard to narrow it down. Which one you're talking about? Right,
1: well, exactly. But to be able to pull that goal off without getting a much you know power behind a shot, for example, and there aren't many footballers in the championship that have Twitter accounts dedicated to him just doing things just Adele Trapp doing things on, on a football pitch um, so I think that, that that does propel him forwards in my opinion an incredible player to watch is he top three for me I, I personally wouldn't put him in but I can appreciate why he's been put in there because of that season it was incredible
0: it really really was who have we got number
1: two Justin we've got Alexander Mitrovic now again if we if we talk about longevity Mitrovic doesn't have it and I think that doesn't matter because it's just sheer amount of goals he scored was disgusting. It was horrendous for championship defences. 117 minutes per goal is just astonishing. I don't need to bring up how many goals he scored. Timmy Puki, for example, his is 157. Charlie Austin, his is 161. Billy Sharp, the GOAT, quote unquote, 206 minutes per goal. 117 minutes per goal is just. Absolutely bonkers. 85 goals in 117 games at this level is absurd. Now, I I get that he's playing for a very, very good Fulham team, but he came in on loan under Slivici Akanovic when they were not battling mid-table. They were at the start of their upwards trend into that playoff push. So they were at the start of their journey under Akanovic into becoming an incredibly good team at championship level. Scored a lot of goals for him then. And then that season under Scott Parker... I know we can talk about the season that he scored over 40 goals under Marco Silva, but actually I think the season that he scored the amount of goals he did on the Scott Parker's team might be more incredible given the amount of chances or lack of chances that Scott Parker team created. Can you imagine how efficient and clinical you have to be to be scoring as many goals he did that season under Scott Parker? Yeah, have to be very, very, very good. So I'd actually argue that might be that might eclipses his his, um, his goal scoring season of, of, of 40, over forty. So yeah, Mitrovic, an incredible player at this level. Um, I think I, I don't think you get any. I don't think we'll see any anyone better than Mitrovic in terms of just pure goals and pure purely being clinical. To be to be absolutely exact.
0: Yeah, Mitro was always a contender for this list anyway, but after the heroics from a couple of seasons ago, he nearly earned himself GOAT status. It will be no surprise to anyone that he has the highest goal per minute ratio in Championship history for any player with more than 75 appearances. Just an outstanding tally, as you say, 117 minutes he averages a goal. It would be high if it wasn't for a rather forgetful spell in the second tier of Newcastle as well, but with Fulham... It's where he's really shone in his first season, which is more of a half season actually, because he joined on loan in January. Twelve goals in seventeen games. Second season, twenty-six goals in forty games. Third season, ridiculous, ludicrous levels. Forty-three goals in forty-four games, plus seven assists. By the way, <laughs> you know, just to you know boost up even more. Fifty goal contributions in one season is outrageous. It should be illegal, really. The only thing I've really got against him is. He shouldn't have been playing in the Championship anyway. Even when he joined Fulham and it felt like he was too good at this level. And then in his other two seasons, it was like, surely someone else is going to sign him before the season starts. Guys, he's essentially a top-half Premier League striker. Why isn't anyone signing him? So he is simply a very good Premier League standard player, but for some reason played multiple seasons in the Championship. That's the only thing I can hold against him because... No, no one will ever come near him in terms of the goals per minutes because 43 goals in 44 games. There's a reason why, you know, only two players prior to him managed to get 30 or more in a season. Alexander Mitrovic blew that out the window, didn't he? It was just mm-hmm. ridiculous, really. And the numbers literally speak for themselves. You you cannot emphasise that enough. Um. Is there anything else more to say on Mitro, Justin? I feel like that's it, isn't it? It's just the goals. That's it. We could have just said, number two, Alexander Mitrovic. Look at his goals. We'll move on.
1: Yeah. You can't really say much else. Um, I think I just keep going back to that Scott Parker year where that team really should have won the title had it not been for Scott Parker holding the team back. Can you imagine how many goals he would have scored had... Not Marco Silva as such, but a Marco Silva, a, a coach who allowed that team to express themselves in the final 30. Imagine how many goals, more goals, he would have scored had it not been for for, for Scott Parker and, and the shackles he put in that team. Incredible. I completely forgot about the Newcastle spell as well, yeah. which, as you say, it 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 puts it, that you know that that, that goal ratio, um, minutes per goal ratio, it, you know, diminishes it slightly. But as I, I say only slightly, but still miles ahead of anybody else in this division. As you quite rightly say, shouldn't have been playing in the championship. He was made the best of it, became the the best striker ever, and and he'll be revered as yeah the best. And we love that. We love that. Yeah,
0: and a big shit house as well, which boosts him up even slightly more. Number one, Justin, the player we think is the greatest championship player of all time is Peter Whittingham. Justin, you and I agreed uh, disagreed with the positions of plenty of players on this list, but there was no debate from either of us about who number one is. When I made this list, the first thing I did was start with number one, Peter Whittingham. There is just no debate about it. His talent was insanely good for this level. The phrase wand of a left foot is not more applicable to anyone else than Peter Whittingham. I watched a compilation of all his goals the other day and it's Just a ridiculous number which were scored outside the box, whether that be free kicks, laces, side foot, volleys. I've not seen a player at any level with the goals catalogue that he has, because it's actually unbelievable, it's staggering how many worldies he managed to score but what probably puts him ahead of anyone else is his consistency he averaged a goal or an assist every two and a half championship games which is outstanding for a midfielder who played nearly 400 games at this level over the course of a decade he had a spell where he managed 20 or more goal contributions in three consecutive seasons including one where he had 30 and that had 20 goals in it in itself as well two promotions under his belt as for his legacy he's a legitimate Cardiff City legend in other players we mentioned on this list are legends in their own right but if there was a Cardiff City Mount Rushmore Peter Whittingham's face is on there just an astonishingly talented player who was more than happy to keep playing at this level stick with Cardiff which I think goes that extra bit further, doesn't it? That he was just happy to stick with this club who gave him plenty of respect and he gave them plenty of respect back.
1: Just the loyalty. Yeah, the loyalty is incredible, mainly because it's rare in football. Um, But I love talking about Peter Wigan on this podcast because I I, I don't think... he just can't speak highly enough of him. And as I say, the loyalty factor is a big thing. Um, The amount of goals and assists he had in the Championship he he created a championship, eighty-two goals, seventy-eight assists. Absolutely absurd. Four hundred and fifty-seven games for Cardiff. Again, that longevity at one club is incredibly rare. The amount of games he played consistently um, over the course of his time at Cardiff were just was just incredible. Um, and he had the ability of a of a you know a Spanish midfielder. Someone someone born in Catalonia, but he wasn't. He was born in um, <laughs> it It is just absolutely ridiculous. He had this ability in his locker. Um, and again, as I say, just to be able to be as consistent as he was for the years he was, was incredible. His touch, his close control, ability to dictate um, the flow of a game no matter where he played, whether that was a central position or a wide position, maintaining possession in tight spaces. As I say, he had, had everything in it. You know, every technical attribute a Spanish midfielder has, but you know, he was, he, was, he was playing for Cardiff and he was from the West Midlands. Um I think we forget as well. He we played an FA Cup final, a League Cup final, three PFA Team of the Years, Football League Team of the Decade. The accolades at this level just just ramp up, um, and as I say, you just uh, longevity, loyalty, consistency, creativity ticks every single box for this for this accolade. This this other accolade he's, he's earned um, an incredible player, incredible human being, and yeah, Cardiff City legend, Football League legend,
0: yeah, yeah without a doubt, and. This isn't me trying to justify it anymore. hes He was just such a down-to-earth bloke as well. We were talking to Lee Peltier for second-tier meets a couple of months ago now. And just said he was just such a normal bloke. And he's got all this talent in the world. Could have easily played more games at Premier League level if he wanted to. But was just happy going to Cardiff. And then going to training, going home and then just turning up on a match day and tearing it up. He was just ridiculous. And Peltier even said that he just gets like chills when he thinks about him now, that the hair's standing up on his arms, just thinking about how good a player he was. But just the aura around him, it's it's just
1: quite crazy to think of, really. Mm. Well, I think when you talk about the aura around him, you don't really get that feeling that he's untouchable mainly because of it, it just that down to earth aspect of him. But he in reality he probably was. He was you know, if I if I came through at Cardiff, if I was a you know a youngster coming through at Cardiff and I was playing alongside Peter Whittingham, my jewel would just be on the floor all the time. It's you know, it's a bit like coming through and you know in footballing terms if you're argentinian you're going to the national team and you're playing alongside the likes of messi and and, and Maradona yeah you, know, you just can't really compare it and i know it's a big big comparison and I'm not comparing their their abilities but just the ability to um not have that ego um and just be down to earth and it not come across like you are this egotistical maniac that some footballers do um considering the ability he had is is yeah is an outstanding and another another tick in the box for peter Whittingham, just All-round good bloke, all-round good footballer. And as I pointed out already, uh, a massive, massive legend. Yeah, definitely. There we go, ladies
0: and gentlemen. Our top 20 championship players of all time. Peter Whittingham is number one and the GOAT, as far as we are concerned. Just before we go, let's recap who we have in our list and where, Justin. So who have we got, number 20? We've got Paddy Kenny. Number 19 is Charlie Austin. Number 18 is Kieran Trippier. Seventeen is Jordan Rhodes. Number sixteen is Thomas Ince. Controversial. Fifteenth is T- Ivan Tony. Fourteenth <laughs> is Graham Alexander. Thirteenth <laughs> is Wes Hulahan Wessie. Twelfth uh, is Tom Kearney. Eleventh is Super Kevin Phillips. Tenth is the little magician Pablo Hernandez. Nine is the great Finn Timu Puki. <laughs> then we've got the great Dane at eighth and Kashmir Michael. Seventh is Big Wes Morgan. Sixth is Billy Sharp. That fat lad from Sheffield. Five is Ross McCormack. Mr. Promotion himself in fourth, Ollie Newwood, Three is Adele Terapt. The Big Serb, Alexander Mitrovic in second. And then, number one, the GOAT, Peter Whittingham. Never in doubt that, was it, in no. Were you the same? Did you, yeah, did you start off it. with
1: just putting Peter Whittingham top? I don't think I even had to start off with him. I think it was inevitability. I think I worked through my list... And then Peter Wick- Peter Whittingham was just first. It's it's an easy it's an, it's such an easy one. Whenever you think about top top players in the Championship or making a list of your, the best players ever to play in the Championship, you don't have to give Peter Whittingham too much thought because it's inevitability. He's going to be in there. Yeah, definitely.
0: There we go, ladies and gentlemen. That has been our top twenty Championship players of all time. Thank you for joining us on this journey where we've spoken to the Championship gods and conveyed what we thought. Um, or who they have as the definitive list of the uh, championship players, the best championship players of all time. So there we go. We'll next be back on Thursday to give you another news roundup of everything that's going on in the championship over the summer. The transfer's just cranking up a bit more, aren't they? So we'll go through all of that, plus any other news. Hopefully, Sheffield Wednesday and Leeds might have a manager sorted out by that point. So we look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big, 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 big thank you for listening.
1: Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil.